All right. Good morning. All right. If you would stand for our call to worship. Uh, today comes from Psalm 100. Uh, if you would join me where it says all. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. God, we do thank you for your faithfulness today. Uh, we pray that you would bless our time as we come into your presence with singing. Uh, help us to see more of you and worship you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, our first song is Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise. You would turn in your hymns, hymnals to 337. Page 250. Uh, if you would turn to it, we're going to try a little something different. I'm going to make a big request uh, for anybody under the age of 18. Okay? Big request for anybody under the age of 18 to come up here and sing it with us. Okay? So come on down. <laughs> Everybody under the age of 18, bring your words. Right? You still need the words. It's okay. Safety in numbers. Come on. It's all right. 
Cliff, if you shaved, you'd be close. (laughs) (laughs) So page 250. Everybody good? Uh, so Sarah's going to play on the flute for us to help us out here um, with, the, with the melody. Uh, but pay attention to the words here um, on what it's saying, and you'll see why they're up here. that God has instructed us to gather together every day uh, is we get to see each other uh, and pass this on to our own kids, uh, which is a massive blessing. Uh, so we're going to have our, uh, our silent confession of sins now. Uh, so yes, you can see So bow at your, at your seats there, bow your heads and confess your sins. Lord, we confess with our mouths. We confess the sins, the things that we have done that missed the mark, the perfect mark set by your Son. Lord, as we do battle with the, our, our flesh, our sinful natures, Lord, we we know that we will fail in that battle if it's not for you and for your spirit. 
So Lord, we, we confess our sins in faithful, honest attempts to root out and do battle with the sin in our lives. The conceit of our hearts, the envy in our minds, the weakness in our flesh. Lord, help us, forgive us, strengthen us. Lord, forgive us our sins, and Lord, help us to forgive those who've sinned against us. It's in the name of Jesus Christ and in his strength that we pray. Amen. Our forgiveness of sins today comes from 1 John chapter 1. It says, if, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I'm going to read something. You can be turning to page 622 in your hymnal. Uh, or sorry, 626. Thank you. 626 in your hymnal. Uh, this is When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Uh, this is by Isaac Watts, and I'm sure uh, a lot of folks in here have heard the name. Uh, so this is a little something about Isaac Watts. It says, Young Watts showed unusual talent at an early age, learning Latin when he was five, Greek at nine, French at 11, and Hebrew at 12. As he grew up, he became increasingly disturbed by the uninspiring psalm singing in the English churches. He commented, The singing of God's praise is the part of worship most closely related to heaven, but its performance among us is the worst on earth. Throughout his life, Isaac Watts wrote over 600 hymns and is known today as the father of of English hymnody. His hymns were strong and triumphant statements of the Christian faith, yet none ever equaled the colorful imagery and genuine devotion of this emotionally stirring and magnificent hymn text. Uh, so the point of reading that is not to make us feel inadequate about our own intellectual abilities, uh, but to show that there is purpose behind uh, the hymns that we sing, the songs that we sing, uh, and the words, not just the melody, uh, are what's important here. Yeah. 
would. <clears throat> Please stand uh, for our confession of faith. Today we are reading from the Nicene Creed. Uh, if you would join me. Christian, what is it that you believe? I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And every week we dive a little bit more into what we believe. Uh, so this is from Westminster, question 8. It says, how doth God execute his decrees? God executeth his decrees in the works of creation and providence. You can be seated. Uh, we enter into our time now of our worship where we uh, give a little bit uh, of what God has blessed us with. Uh, so I'm going to read from Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, this is just two verses, 9 and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Uh, right now, the Swaffords are reading through Proverbs at night during family worship, and we had uh, another one recently. Uh, there are so many all the way through Proverbs that talk about giving uh, that it's, it's very, very uh, important for us to realize uh, why we do it, right? Uh, it's obviously not because God needs it. Uh, it's, it's not even because uh, he needs our gifts to do his work here on earth, right? Uh, it's because it does something to us, okay? Uh, so we give because we've been told to. We give uh, not because it says, well, if I give, then I get more, right? Is that, is that the point here? Uh, and it's not, you know. Uh, we, we read, I think it might have been last night uh, or the night before, I can't remember. Um, it said, you know, the believer is not going to go hungry, right? Uh, so 
we have faith in God, right? Even, even giving, even though it doesn't make sense on paper, right? For those of us who like that kind of thing, uh, even though it doesn't make sense on paper, we understand that this is what God has commanded and uh, we will always uh, be taken care of. Uh, so I'm going to pray for us uh, and then we'll take up our offering. God, we thank you for this time of worship that you've blessed us with. Uh, we pray that you would work in our hearts, that you would help us to see um, how you work through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Uh, God, is one of those great mysteries that we're not going to understand. Uh, but God, we do it out of obedience, uh, and we do see, we get to see sometimes uh, the benefits and the fruits of it. Uh, we thank you uh, for our worship today, uh, and we pray that you would bless the gifts uh, and to your service. In your name we pray. Amen. If you would, please rise for the reading of God's Word. Hear the Word of the Lord. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. All right, please be seated. All right, so last week uh, we discussed the, the ways we think about things, even unintentionally how we think about things and how that affects our understanding of Scripture. So as we uh, work our way through the first two chapters in Genesis here, as we will eventually work through the whole book, um, I want to encourage you to focus on what the Bible says and to believe the plain reading of Scripture. John MacArthur reminds us that creation is not a scientific process 
but a miraculous one. Uh, This is a quote from him. And people say, well, what about science? Don't we have to apply science to the Genesis account? And I say it again. You can't apply science to a miracle. It's impossible. So free yourself from that notion that uh, I will liberate you right now. You don't have to explain creation by scientific methodology. You can't. You can't. Just uh, get past this notion and you'll free yourself from needless doubts and confusion. And that's the end end of the quote there. So uh, I really appreciate what he has to say about this, particularly in the fact of, of... avoiding and, and trying to spare ourselves of needless doubts and confusion, like trying to make, trying to fit in pieces and trying to, trying to connect dots that we will never be able to connect because we, uh, we, we, can't, we can't understand something that God did, he was the only witness to, and then he tells us pieces of it through scripture, but He's not attempting to give us a complete understanding of what he did. Um, so uh, I, found that, I found that quote to be very encouraging. So we, we do, like I said, we, do, we are given glimpses of creation in other, in other passages. And, and I want to point out Psalms 33, verse 6 through 9. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. So here we see, right, Scripture is giving us a little bit about um, this, this process that God literally just speaks the universe into creation. It just happened, right? Though nothing, there was nothing. And then there was something, and even this concept of there being nothing, like it's, it's, there was less than nothing, right? Because nothing couldn't have existed, right? So it was basically just God outside of time. There was no time, there was no space. And then he spoke and created. So, so we see um, that the, the purpose, uh, excuse me, the proper response to this realization that God created, right, as God creator, the, the proper response to that we see in this passage. We see in verse, uh, in, in verse 8, and in verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. There's this natural response of, of realizing the power that it takes to create the universe. And then the rest of verse 8 let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Creation testifies to the power and glory of God. 
So, and, and, and that, by the way, is the most important message to get out of Genesis, of these first two chapters in Genesis. So if you don't get anything else, that's what I want you to get. That, that God created everything and, our, and, and, the, and the creation testifies to his glory and should point us to fear God and be in awe of him. So if that's the only thing you get out of this, if, if, uh, if uh, the, our, our, our messages fall so short that, that that's all you get, then that is a wonderful message to get from these sermons. So, so that being said, some people may say, okay, Cody, well, uh, got it. Understand that message. So... God created everything, and it's we are to respond to that in, a, in a, an appropriate way. So let's just move on. Can't we just skip to Adam and Eve and kind of pick up the narrative that's then going to carry us all through Genesis? And, and, and to that, I would reply with Scripture. I would reply 2 Timothy 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely, may be complete, equipped for every good work. So God put these verses in the Bible for our benefit. So we're going to keep looking at them. And, and you know, this uh, after this sermon, we're going to get into to the, the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth day of creation. So, so this should kind of, my goal for the sermon is to bridge us and prepare us for that process. So uh, what we're going to talk about now, I want to I focus in on verse 2 in Genesis. Particularly, there was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. R.C. Sproul refers to this as one of his hard sayings of the Bible. And, um, and when I look at it, I, I say, well, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm good there. Uh, and in, in my preparation, I, I studied and looked at these different um, concepts of, you know, with void and, and darkness and what's the face of the deep. Um, and that's really, uh, as I'm researching, I see R.C. Sproul's, oh, you know, he's hard saying he's going to cover the scripture. I was like, oh, maybe I'm going to get it, you know, I wonder what he thinks and how is he going to divide the word for the void and darkness and all that. Um, and no, he, uh, he doesn't focus on those at all. He, he talks about the, this, um, because there's there's different ways you can look at this, the void and the deep. Some people think that this was just an unformed earth and, and the deep is waters and, and that that's, that's what we're talking about. Uh, other people think that this was the, the building blocks of our universe. So this is like matter and energy kind of there, right? I'm not sure. I don't know. But what that's not what... Sproul is referring to when he talks about this being a hard saying. Sproul is referring to the word was. Kind of the easiest one in that for me, right? But 
this is a this this word becomes really important in your understanding of the creation process and and there's a uh, a group of people or a philosophy or a, a an idea called the gap theory or um, kind of more formally it's referred to as the restoration hypo- um, hypothesis the restoration hypothesis and and this says that in Genesis 1:1 that there was that was the full creation of the universe and of everything, and that there is an immense amount of time, a gap, between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. And that this is also from sometimes referred to as the Earth Age, that there was this whole age, you know, ages and ages and ages before Adam is created. Um this is an attempt to, to reconcile biblical interpretation with scientific theory. And basically, other people refer to this as old earth create, uh, creationism. And there's some subtle differences in here, and there's some pieces and, and that kind of thing. So, um, so the, the whole idea is that the universe can be really, really old, but Adam can still be a real man and that we can then trace the genealogy back to Adam some 6,000 to 8,000 years, depending on kind of how you look at it. So uh, I, I personally don't find this that um, this theory that uh, compelling, particularly because of a con- the concept of death. So uh, Romans 5, 12 through 20 tells us, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to read 12. Um, tells us, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. So we see this introduction, uh, this introduction of death through sin. So without man, there can't be sin. So there can't be death before man. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 continues, also speaks at this, on this topic, starting in verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his, each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ, then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom of God the Father after destroying every rule, and every authority and power, he must, uh, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies underfoot. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So uh, here we are reminded that we were not created to die. Uh, uh, as a pastor preaching funerals, is not a, it is a, it can be a 
wonderful, encouraging thing, or it can be a heart-wrenching, just heartbreaking thing. And it really just depends on the walk, the faith of the one who is being buried and the faith of the families, right? the people that are there. But one of the things that even with believers, one of the things that we notice, at least I notice when I'm uh, involved in uh, preaching a funeral, is that death feels so wrong. Even with believers, feels wrong. And that's because we were not made to die. We were not created to die. Death is an enemy of Christ. It's the last enemy that he will defeat. So, so we shouldn't be too hard on ourselves or on each other when we face death and it feels like an enemy, right? It doesn't feel natural. It's, it's okay. It's not natural. It's, it's an enemy of Christ. So, so that, that's my criticism uh, of, of the gap theory. Um, uh, R.C. Sproul, who is way smarter than me, has a uh, probably a much better criticism of it that, that I want to touch base on a little bit. Um, he, he criticizes the, uh, the actual, uh, the, the literary perspective, the actual language that's used. I am not a Hebrew uh, linguist or, or, or expert. He is one of uh, many who share this opinion, uh, which is the, the fact that from a literary perspective, the gap theory really hinges on the interpretation of that one word, the was, because they interpret it to say becomes. So they look at it and they say that the world becomes formless and void. And um, you may be looking at your Bibles now going, oh, what does my translation say? And it says was, because they all say was, except for one. And it's a translation I had never heard of until I started doing this research. So, um, so that's, that's his, uh, his position. Now, he does explain that uh, very rarely the word that's used can be translated into was, um, but it is um, very rare and, and is only based on very specific uh, contextual clues that are inside of that specific verse or the, the context. Um, and he makes a very compelling case, at least in my opinion, that, that the word was um, is a, a better interpretation here instead of become. So, all right, so uh, the historical interpretation uh, is that this is a description of an unfinished, unorderly work of creation. So basically that God created, but he didn't get done created, that this is going to be a process. Now, uh, a lot of people kind of want to apply a lot of human logic to the steps and to the stuff. I, I really question that and, and warn against applying too much human logic to Scripture. Uh, it will, you know, God is the author of logic, so we shouldn't be afraid of logic. But when we are bringing extra biblical stuff to the Bible, we've got to be kind of careful there. Um, 
the, the interesting lesson that I see in the scripture is that God obviously could have created all in a moment. He could have done it all in one moment, but he chose to do it the way he did it. And I think, uh, as I mentioned last week, I think an, um, an interesting point is the fact that God continues to create. So he's not out of the creation business. He yeah. continues to create. Um, so uh, so that, uh, kind of, that process of creation we see here is, is broken as part of this, this, this unfinished, unorderly work of creation as part of this six-day creation. And the, uh, the elders here, uh, A.J., Colby, and I, uh, we all hold to the kind of the historically orthodox interpretation of a six-day creation. Um, we don't hold to that because uh, it's what we grew up with or anything like that. We hold to it because that's what we see in Scripture. So we see, for example, in Exodus 20.11, we see, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Here we see Mark 10. Uh, so that's obviously pointing to here's six days and the seventh. And we're going to respect. That's why we get the Sabbath. That's why we have a day of rest. So Mark 10, 6. Uh, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. So here we see from the beginning of creation, they're being male and female. We don't see, well, there was billions and billions of years, and then God added a male and a female. That's not what that's not what that scripture tells us. Um, uh, Luke 11, uh, verses 50 and 51, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world... So from the beginning, the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation from the blood of Abel to the blood of um, I just totally can't read that word all of a sudden. Help me, somebody help me out. Zachariah? Okay. Uh, blood of Zachariah who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. So here we see this, Luke, in Luke, we see this explanation that one, from the beginning, the foundation of the world, we see that there is blood of man, and we see Abel being put into the category of actual prophet who died, or actual people. Right? So he's listed among people that were real people that walked the earth. So we're not looking, we're not talking about allegory here or analogy, you know, the story. This, this is a real person who really died and his blood is being accounted to this generation. Uh, Matthew 9, 19, verse 3 through 6, verses 3 through 6. The Pharisees uh, came to him and tested him. This is Jesus, came to Jesus and tested him by saying, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? 
and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So this is Jesus in explaining why why men and women should be married and should not divorce. It's him explaining that. He puts it in context of creation. And not just uh, kind of the general God created everything, but he puts it specifically in the, have you not read that he who created from the beginning uh, yeah, created them from the beginning, made them male and female. He is establishing, uh, there's, there's a lot in that little bit there, right? He's saying that from the very beginning, he created them. He created them male and female. Uh, and, that, and that what he created, he created them to be together. And what he has joined, man shouldn't separate. So there's, there's a lot there. Uh, I, I never would have uh, imagined a few years ago that the most controversial thing out of that scripture is that he created the male and female. And that's it, right? Um, but yeah, there's, there's lots of reasons in there for people to, uh, to argue, me, argue with me or not, not, not like me. Um, I'll let them pick whichever one they want to, to argue about. So, <clears throat> so we see here the the rest of the the second verse there that says so that kind of got us up to the deep and then it says and the spirit of God has hovered over the face of the waters so again there's uh, a couple different interpretations of this I, I, I think um, you know this is one of those things that if you really 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 uh, care about this, I would encourage you to look forward to heaven when you might be able to ask someone who can answer the question about what exactly that means, because we're really just kind of bantering around ideas at some point. Um, maybe it's the oceans, maybe it's all the water around the, the world, maybe it's all of the things you know that God is using, and, and the word water there is is meant for like fluids and, and energy, who knows, right? I, I don't know. Um, but this, I, I really have sympathy for, for the, the concept of kind of wanting to, the, the, I guess the honest place where people who are trying to line up what they see and, and what people tell them, a lot of times it's what people tell them about science and Scripture, um, and one of the the biggest things that people kind of naturally point to is the appearance the appearance of age, right? The appearance of age. So, um, for example, uh, the the world like from here we see stars, and um, and you could say, well, I mean, stars take light takes. You know, we can measure the distance, the how long it takes light to move, and light. These things are so far away, and they're getting to us, and that means that we've had to be here for billions of years for the light to be able to get to us. And 
and, and, and that's kind of an explanation is this appearance of age, right? Um, I, to me, I, I'll be honest with you, I struggled with this too, particularly in college. Um, and I, one of the things that I, I basically kind of realized, and, and I'm, this is not some realization of mine, I'm an idiot, so I, a bunch of people had realized before me, I just hadn't stumbled it on what their uh, takes on it yet or, or the way that they look at it is that basically, um, hey, God created Adam as a man, like a man he could walk with and talk to. And um, so the, the actual thing, when I look at Scripture, the, the, the way that it explains what I see, so the way I would explain what I see in Scripture is that God creates with the appearance of age. So he doesn't create... A seed, he creates a tree. He didn't create an egg, he creates a chicken, which may answer the age-old question of what came first, the chicken or the egg. I would argue the chicken came first. Um, so, so we see this, that God is creating with the appearance of age, like as if time had affected the thing that he created. So it's easy for me to, to believe that God created the universe with light in transit. So God created, and in that creation, all the things, it was as if the world had been here for billions and billions of years. It would look the same to you and I because God created with the appearance of age. If you were to meet Adam, you, you would say, oh, you're, I don't know, 20-year-old guy, 12-year-old guy, I don't, know, I don't know what age, but some age, right? The same thing now. We look at the universe. We meet the universe. We meet the planet. We look at it, and it has appearance of age. We would assume, oh, it's billions of years old. But, but again, God created with the appearance of age. Um, I also think that there's a lot of uh, presumption about what we are seeing. So there's a lot of taking what we see and putting it, remember those, those mindsets I talked about, those paradigms? So if you start off with the paradigm of the universe is, you know, billions of years old, so I've, then you're going to, the math is going to kind of match that. You're going to start finding ways to explain this. Um, one of the amazing things about creation that we see is that our, uh, our universe is finely tuned. And when I say universe, I really mean universe, like the whole thing. It's like finely tuned for our existence. And there's like, uh, depending on who you look to, the, you know, but there's a certain number. And it's not like two, it's like 20-something. Finely tuned things that make our universe work for us. Like that we wouldn't, we couldn't exist in a universe if these some of these constants weren't real. They weren't constants. Uh, and then you look at like other things about our universe, like where the planet is and where our moon is, and and like all of these, the tip of you know our planets, all these like finely tuned things where the sun is, all these things line up for our benefit, and, and it's so radically unlikely that secular scientists and theorists had to come up with an explanation for it. It was so astronomically unlikely that physicists, theoretical physicists, came up with the idea of, well, I mean, the only way this could happen is if there were like 
an infinite number of universes. And they were all subtly different, but they but all every universe that could possibly exist exists. And we just are in the one that's like this. But there are there, but it's not miraculous because they they all exist. There's an infinite number of them, and we just inhabit the one universe that actually is finely tuned for us. Uh, which seems like a, a really bad argument to me. I mean, it seems like kind of intellectually cheating. Like, hey, yeah, we're just going to say, we can't explain why everything the way it is, so we'll just say there's actually an infinite number of the things, and we just happen to have the one that worked, right? So it's, it's kind of like stumbling onto a, 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 a really good meal and saying, oh, well, instead of thinking that someone created this meal for me, and it's got exactly my favorite, you know, my favorite meal, it's steaks cooked the way I want it to, and the potatoes made the way I like it, and the banana pudding is perfect, and like all of this stuff, right? Instead of stumbling onto that meal and realizing someone who knows me and loves me created a meal for me. Instead of saying that, you say, well, somewhere there's an infinite number of meals and I just stumbled onto the one that happened to be perfect for me. It doesn't make sense to me. Because when I look around my world, I see, uh, sure, I see sin and I see uh, the remnants of a fallen world. But I also see God loving me. And that's ultimately the most powerful thing about a created God, or a creative God. That God knew who Cody York was going to be. And he knew who Samantha was going to be. And he knew who Cliff was going to be. And he knew all of that before he created us. And he still loved us. And he still loved us so much that he created with the knowledge we were going to be sinners and the knowledge that he was going to redeem us. And he knew the cost. And he did it anyway. So that's what I really want you to walk away with. Is that we have a creator God that's not some sitting on a, a cloud throne somewhere, right? But he knows us. Scripture says he knows the number of hairs on our head. He, that's how finely too. He knows us better than we know us, right? Because we, just to be honest with you, maybe I'm the only one in the room, I can lie to myself pretty well. I can't lie to God. So he knew us perfectly. And he made this place for us and he put us in our families. So look around. God put you in your family. He put us in this, this county. He put you in this church. He put you in this country and in this time. And although there are times that uh, Emma and I joke about maybe we're in the wrong time. Maybe we should go back a couple hundred years we would feel more comfortable then. That's not when God wanted us. God wanted us to be here. He wanted He put us here. So ultimately, God doesn't 
God doesn't play dice. That's a, a quote from uh, an atheist, Isaac Einstein. God doesn't play dice. He, God doesn't make take chances. God, th- this is intentional. God loved you. He loved you in his in the creation process. He loved you in when the Israel was wandering in the desert. He he loved you in your most sinful moment. God loved you, and he loved you so much he sent his son for you. Now we're he also loved us enough to leave with us a way of remembering that. And giving us actually instruction to do this in remembrance of me. So we're going to take the Lord's Supper. Do you need my help, AJ? To distribute? Okay. And while, while AJ is distributing the Lord's Supper, I want you... This is going to sound corny, okay? I just, I just want you to be thankful for creation. I just want you to be thankful for a God who... A creator and the creation that he has made. So if you would just dwell on that as AJ hands out the If you'll turn in your hymnal to page 489, um, we'll sing just verse one of There is a Fountain.
Lord, we thank you for this bread and for this cup. We thank you for the sacrifice that it took, the cost that was paid, that we could be counted children of God. That one day we will enter the throne room not as rebels or thieves, outlaws, not even as hired servants, but as children. God, it's hard to understand how you could love us. It's hard to understand how your grace can pour out onto a sinful people. But it does. God, use this bread and this cup, use this time to encourage us Help us to be thankful and joyous as we realize what has been done for us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And as they were eating, he took the bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them. And they drank, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Now, before we uh, close, have our closing prayer and benediction, I want to ask Cliff and Samantha. Samantha's going on a trip this week. We hope she's going on a trip this week. So I'm going to ask if you guys wouldn't mind coming up here and us praying for you guys. So if you would, if you would like to come up here and let's pray for Cliff and Samantha and her trip. (laughs) She will be on a plane flying to another continent, landing in South, uh, South Africa here, Lord willing. So... So, AJ, if you don't mind uh, closing us, I'll open us and uh, just pray if you're led. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for Cliff and for Samantha and for the wonderful work you've done through them. We pray for Samantha's trip. We pray, Lord, that your will be done. Lord, we ask that her trip go through and that you grant them mercy in travels. And we be with Samantha as 
as her group travels, Lord, and that you use this time to glorify your name and encourage her and others. God, I thank you for this wonderful day. I pray that you would help Samantha as she is um, trying to share the gospel with people who don't already have it, Lord. I pray that her travel will be safe if it is your will, Lord. May she get to Africa and pray that she would share the gospel. I pray for Cliff as Miss Nathan will be gone. And I pray these things in your holy name, I pray. Dear God, um, I pray for Miss Lapsha Hill that she has a safe trip and that nothing would go wrong. And that doing her work in your Lord, Lord, that it would be pleasing to you. And I just pray that she would be safe. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. And I do pray for Miss Samantha that um, Lord willing she would go to Africa and share the gospel, help share the gospel. Pray for Mr. Luckfield that he won't be lonely without her and that they would manage. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. God, we thank you for the gifts that you've equipped Samantha with. Uh, the fact that she's a vessel to spread your message to the world, God. Uh, I pray that you would grant her passage through ice or snow um, as we have some weather coming in, that the plane would not be turbulent, but that it would be smooth right there. God, I pray for any kind of jet lag that she would experience, Lord, that it would be minor, um, that it wouldn't uh, prevent them, uh, any of them going on the trip, from being able to fulfill the purpose that you called us to. Um, and that this would be just one more small step into bringing your word and your truth and the comfort that it brings to us, God, uh, to more people in this world that need to hear that hope, um, that Samantha gets to be open hands and uh, capable feet uh, to walk into that situation and bring so much love um, with her father. Um, I pray that you would prevent any illness uh, that she could come in contact with, and that um, goes over for her team as well. Um, that they would be able to come home safely and soundly, Lord, and um, that uh, all things would be within your will uh, for their health and well-being as they're traveling. And, um, we are excited for her um, and for this opportunity that she gets to partake in um, and be with Cliff as he's home. Uh, let him sleep well at night knowing that uh, she is doing the purposes that you have uh, set for her, God, and that um, you've equipped her with everything that she needs. Lord, prepare the way for Miss Samantha and um, help her path be straight getting there, Lord, and um, just open their eyes to see what you would have for them, Lord, and um, just, I pray that they would grow and that they would um, feel closer to you as they go on this trip, and I just, I do pray that you would prevent her flight from being delayed or canceled, Lord, and I pray that it would be just a smooth process, um, just that you would go with them through every step. I pray that we can all be encouraged to um, not be ashamed of the gospel. We know that it's the power of salvation for those that believe. And so I pray that um, Samantha would be an example, even just of us um, here 
and how we might be able to, to share truth with people who might have the, have the Bible, but or it's available to us, but um, just to still share truth here. And um, thank you for this opportunity. I know this is something that she's wanted to do for a long time. Father, I can only parent your words and uh, blessed are the feet that bring good news. And I just I thank you for the gifts that you've given Samantha and that she can she can carry your word into what some may consider enemy territory. And just pray that you bring your peace and bring your comfort. Uh, but also speak boldly through her. Help her to train and equip those that uh, will remain and uh, just strengthen that place and Turn that, turn that territory back to yourself as you technically own it anyway. So uh, we'll just thank you for that. I would thank you for this family. I pray that your, your will be done as far as her trip goes. I pray that you would Strengthen her heart and her mind as she goes forth uh, with and for your word. Uh, we pray for Cliff and the boys uh, and give them peace as well. Uh, knowing uh, they're not at all times exactly where she is, uh, we pray that uh, your peace would cover them all uh, and that you would protect her and help her uh, as she does your will and your work. Give her strength and uh, the right words to say at the right times. Uh, thank you for her mind, for her learning, uh, and how much uh, she loves you. We pray that you would bless this trip. Uh, we pray uh, that you would bless this family. Uh, and I would just thank you for this church family. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. All right, I'm, I'm going to close this with prayer, and then we'll do the benediction. God, we thank you so much for this word. I thank you for your church. God, I ask that you bless the food that we're going to partake. We thank you for it. Use it to bless us, Lord. Bless our bodies as, as you've blessed our souls with this time already. Help us to fellowship, to encourage one another, to glorify your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all.
Yes, He is.